Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the founder and managing director of a small group training studio launched in 2019 and boasting two gyms and eight employees. Our guest today has a robust plan to take the company forward and today on Business Brunch we're really pleased to welcome Emma Regan, the MD of the Nourishment Academy Limited. Emma, welcome to the cat. Hi, thanks for having me, Des. Emma, you, you were working for the Guardian News and Media prior to launching the Nourishment Academy. So talk us through your journey after leaving school and detail the, uh, the skills you developed that gave you the confidence to run your own business. Yeah, of course. Well, I'll, uh, I'll start at the beginning by saying I did attempt to go to college, um, but I wasn't very successful in the fact that I just didn't feel like it was right for me. And interestingly, I was in the age bracket where you had to stay on in some kind of education until you reached the age of 18. And it just wasn't something that I would, I, school wasn't for me. Um, so I found this apprenticeship system online um, and they were hiring for people like The Guardian and Google um, and other really big, exciting brands. But they also had quite a lot of small startup businesses on their portfolio as well. So I met with them. I had an interview with them and they were confident they would be able to get me into some kind of apprenticeship. Um, I wasn't old enough. I was only 16, so I wasn't old enough to get into Google. Um, but I went ahead for the Guardian's interview and uh, I think there was about 12 of us that all interviewed together at the time and then we went off into separate rooms and interviewed individually and I really didn't think that I was going to get a job or an offer at all. But I was super, super lucky in the fact that the PA of the sales team took me under her wing. She um, employed me um, and I learned such a huge amount working for the guardian i got to know all of the different departments i really got to know what it takes to build an operation and and you know operate in with such a big company and i was really really fortunate in the fact that uh, the lady that took me on and employed me she was as i said the pa to the director of the sales team so we were sat next to the director of the sales team um, so I was around these very influential um, big dogs for a lot of my time at the Guardian so I really treated that time well I was a sponge I just learned everything that I could I asked questions I got to know lots and lots of different people around the whole business um, and I do looking back I really really feel like that's really benefited me in starting my own business um, I then moved into the sales team and started selling advertising space, which in itself, I think to run any business, you need some kind of sales skills under your belt. Um, and that also gave me the confidence to then go traveling. Lots of people, I was working with quite a young, diverse group of people that had all either traveled at some point or were going off traveling. It was, it was like the thing to do. And I remember going off traveling, thinking, how am I going to go back to a nine till five <laughs> after seeing how much there is out there in, in the real world? So that's when I decided to start my own business. And I think every single step in that has given me the skills and both the confidence and the drive to want to work for myself. 
And when you look back at the age of 16, were you not in awe of, of the, the company that you were working for because of the size of it and all the different jobs and the, the number of people that were working there? Did that not yeah. phase you at all? Yeah, absolutely. The I think the naivety of a 16-year-old walking in there, <laughs> just thinking, I've got this, you know, and then seeing the enormity of it. and But it inspired me. I, I didn't ever feel like it was too daunting for me. It really inspired me. As I said earlier, you left school at 16, and you're in good company as both... Uh, uh, Richard Branson and Michelle Monet, who I'd not heard of, but she started the lingerie brand Ultimo, and both had left school by the time they were 16, but have become very successful entrepreneurs. So talk us through why, I know you've alluded to it already, but why you decided to start your own business after only a few years as an employee. And share with us your views on whether a university degree might have made that a little easier in the beginning to start and run the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me was freedom, going traveling and and seeing the world, like I said, and then kind of coming back to England and thinking, God, now I've got to go and sit at a desk nine till five. So I really value freedom. And I think running your own business, no matter what business that is, it gives you that level of freedom. And so do I believe that a university degree would have made that easier? It's funny because I interview obviously lots of people now, um, either that have been through university or that haven't. And I look at their CVs as very, very different CVs. I And it might be a little bit assumptive, but I don't don't look at them as any better or worse. I just look at them as if you've been to uni and you've studied um, personal training or you've studied sports science or something like that, then you're going to have a very practical understanding of what it takes to become a really good personal trainer whereas if that person instead of spending three years at university has spent three years gaining experience I'm going to assume that they've got the skill set to build relationships and keep clients really understand what that person needs Um, and like I said that is very assumptive and you get to know more in the interview process but I don't think it's a better or a worse situation that we're in these days I think instead it plays into that person's strength so if you're the type of person that is quite practical and likes to understand the theory then university absolutely is probably the best place for you whereas if you're like me and you're a people person and you enjoy learning on the job and you don't necessarily need as much as the theory side of things to give your clients a good service um, then I would say the experience is probably the best side of things for you so I don't necessarily think that having a university degree would have made it easier and a really funny point on that is I remember I was about six months into running a business and I bumped into someone that I went to school with in the local gym and we were just chatting about what we're both doing and he was studying business studies at school and he kind of looked at me and went, wow, I've been studying for the last three years what you've done in the last six months. And it was, like I said, it's no better or no worse, but it's just different. It's interesting, isn't it? When you first started the business, um, you were obviously relying on what you'd learned whilst you were in uh, as an employee. Did you feel there were any grey areas that you needed to fill? Absolutely, yeah. Marketing was a big one. Um, 
understanding um, the finance side of a business was another big one. Again, all things that you probably learn at university, um, but all things that I learned off YouTube. <laughs> and being around other business owners and being, you know, just asking the right questions. And sometimes I reach out to people that I know in or I met in the in the media world sometimes I reach out to other people that I've just met along the way and building a community of business owners or people that are like the directors that I worked alongside in the Guardian and um, building a community of those people has really really helped me to answer the questions that I wasn't aware of before and clearly it's working because you're now in your fourth year yes Emma, you, you had to contend with a, a few major issues when starting your business. So share with us how you dealt with these problems and how you've developed as a business owner as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, in my eyes, the business was going to be an online business. Um, so when that wasn't working and we just couldn't get the flow of it together, um, and also because I really wanted that community aspect from the business, um, I decided to start running live events um, and that made the business start to work a lot better and I realised that the community aspect is really what people needed and wanted from this type of business. And then the second stumbling block was trying to actually find the premises for us to run these gyms with. Um, people didn't trust that the business was going to be a success. They didn't, the landlords didn't want a gym in their premises. Um, so it took a lot of pushing on doors that were closing constantly in my face to actually get a gym up and running, um, especially through lockdown as well. That was really, really difficult. So when you were faced with the fact that people didn't want a gym in their, in their premises, how did you convince somebody eventually that it would be fine, it would, be, it would work? There was less convincing and more just, okay, that door's closed. Let's see what else we can find. Um, so I think in total, uh, we had five agents on the go. Um, I was seeing premises after premises and they'd meet me once and then I'd either wouldn't hear from the, them again or they'd tell me that it was just a no-go. The landlords decided to go in a different direction um, or they'd ask to look at the accounts and because we'd only been up and running for a few years, the accounts just weren't what they were looking for. So it was just a case of, OK, dust yourself off and let's go again. And do you feel that it was a personal thing? Were there personal reasons why you were being refused or was it purely practical? I think there's definitely a bit of both going on. I think, you know, some landlords absolutely wouldn't want a gym, either because of the noise that they're worried, because they, we've got cars coming in and out constantly. Uh, we run up to 10 sessions a day with, you know, a maximum of eight people. So that could be 80 cars coming and going each day. Um, but then also you start to wonder, you know, uh, I did have an agent that, that kind of questioned whether I was I was suitable for that premises we're talking about premises that are 40 50 60 70 grand a year um and i think he was a little bit suspicious as to whether a 25 year old young girl was going to live up to those finances um so yeah i definitely think it's both both a little bit practical but obviously you know we we all 
we all use that kind of judgment when we first meet people and those agents have to make a right decision based on who they think is right for that premises. So now your your business delivers training and, and nutritional advice to women over 30. So talk us through your core offering in more detail and give us an insight into why you chose women-only customers. Absolutely. So we offer, um, as you said, training and nutrition. So people come and see us twice, three, four times a week for their personal training. And that's delivered in a small group of women and maximum of eight people in each session. Alongside that, they also get nutrition support by a personal coach. Um, And when I say nutrition support, I actually mean lifestyle support. We don't just talk about um, foods. We're very, very anti-diet. We have more of a mindful approach to food. Um, But we also talk about things like, you know, are you getting outside enough? Are you having too much tech time? Are you actually, have you got strong boundaries in place with the people in your in your life? Um, So it very much is a wellness company. And in terms of how, um, why did that feel right to only work with women I think there's probably two answers to that and one of them was because I actually didn't want to coach men (laughs) and I didn't particularly want to coach people my age as well and that was just preference um but also the the real thing that I love behind us being female only is because women go through so many different stages of their life right I think I counted the other day it's seven stages so from puberty to each week of your monthly cycle to having a baby you know prenatal postnatal and then again you hit the menopause there's lots and lots of different stages where women have to figure out how their bodies are running and they have to get to know these new bodies that they're kind of left with um so we're really about embracing all of those times and helping women to figure out that journey um as well in a really supportive environment so you know, it definitely was a bit of a personal preference, but now it comes down to actually, I really think businesses like this are really needed for women. Um, you know, it was only until I got into the industry, probably about six years ago, that women were start science started to realize that women weren't little men. You know, they have these different hormones and we work in a very, very different way to the way that men do do and I think having more research and more understanding and more support in those areas is a really positive thing for not just women you know for all of us yeah and of course uh, you'd be able to empathize with with those women as well Uh, presumably Mm. you're learning from them in 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 some respects because um, they're at a later stage in their life Definitely, definitely, yeah. And, and we have to be really adaptable and we constantly keep up. You know, our clients always say to us, we're so, we're so lucky that you keep up with all the, all the current research. And we do because, you know, menopause is huge now. When I first got into the industry six years ago, no one was talking about menopause. I was really interested in it because my mum was going through it and I really wanted to support her with it. But no one was really talking about it. Whereas now there's so much information out there, um, which is amazing. Um, and we really try and stay at the top of that research and so that we can deliver the best service to our customers. Podcasts from the Cat. Today we're talking to Emma Regan, the founder and Managing Director of the Nourishment Academy. 
Emma, you now have two gyms and eight employees and you've worked hard to develop a happy and positive workplace. So share with us how you've managed this. And other than wages, what do you think are the key motivators for for a successful, cohesive team? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think we can only learn to do from what we see from our clients so you know I see lots and lots of people that are extremely overworked that have really really big big targets to achieve that are trying to juggle work and parenting and all of these different things and so because I see it from that side of things I really try and I'm not always successful but I do always try to have that approach with my team of okay what's going on outside of your life and how can we support you best but also how can you offer your best version of yourself to the business so I think really understanding what lights them up and um, understanding their values is really really important one of my team is a mum and I know there's been loads of teacher strikes recently so I know that if I just say to her look I've got your sessions I can cover you for this morning that's a that's really really important for her because that means that she doesn't have to sort childcare out with her team so that takes a weight off her shoulders which means that then she can in turn deliver the very best back to our clients. So I think understanding what lights them up. Um, we also are a very supportive team with one another. Um, we are very different people, um, but we've come together in the fact that we are all interested in this topic. You know, we are all interested in what we do. Um, so because of that, we are all very, very supportive of each other. And I think the ethos behind the business, you know, it's a very motivating business to be in. We can we have the have the ability to change people's lives we have the ability to support people that don't ever feel that level of support in their adult life so I think that in itself is very very motivating and as you said earlier on we have a huge vision in terms of where this business is going to go and every single part of my team are going to are involved in that vision um so allowing them to understand that and see where we're going to go in the next five years I think is really really motivating as well and presumably uh, as you've worked for big business uh, um, since when you left school you, you'll understand the the importance of team meetings and um, and listening to feedback from your employees definitely definitely and I think because of the fact that I had I was exposed to working alongside lots and lots of senior people. I understand that business values and mission statements and, okay, so what do we do when the sales team aren't hitting their targets? And then when they are hitting their targets, how do we then respond then? So as I said earlier on, The Guardian has definitely given me a launch pad to, to work from, yeah. Okay, now you you make really good use of modern technology, as most companies do these days. So give us an overview of the applications you use and how your customers benefit. 
we use so many different systems and we've gone through in the last four years so many different systems. So we've used the kind of basic ones that I think a lot of people start with when they when they start a business, i.e. MailChimp and Slack. So MailChimp is really, really good for sending out email newsletters. Um, Slack is really good if you've got a big team, if you want to st- if you want to communicate between you and you want to keep it off WhatsApp and things. We had a stint of using Kajabi, which is like an online course creator but it didn't really do what we wanted it to do so we moved over to a system called Entreport. So Entreport is now our it's almost like our marketing and sales system so we can send emails from it we can um, we have a sales funnel on it um, which is all automated we also have a drop drag and drop system so we know which part of the of the funnel are potential clients are on um, and we can also build landing pages and, and membership sites on it as well so Entreport has really really been a game changer for us in terms of communicating within in the team and then we have other things like GoTeamUp is our, is our booking system and we use a software called Trainerize for our nutrition um, we're constantly trying to stay on our toes to figure out what it is that is going to deliver our service best to our clients because building an app is extremely expensive. Um, but we, we're constantly having to adapt to figure out what systems can work best for us and our clients. And what would be your opinion of artificial intelligence in, in respect um, of the fact that a lot of big business use it now, but it does seem to distance you from your customers. Yeah, I think I completely agree with you. And we've had this conversation in terms of creating content. It would be so easy for us to create ebooks and blog posts and all of that with um, AI, but it takes away that personal touch and I think clients can really tell whether it's subconscious or consciously clients can tell whether you've written that blog post or whether you've downloaded it um and I think it's the same as you know there's lots of ways that we could buy recipe books and put our logo on them and and send them to clients and for us it just doesn't feel authentic so uh, yeah I'm still I'm sure it's going to get better but I'm still quite freaked out by the whole AI situation and I don't think you know subconsciously I think clients are really switched on to it. Now Emma having planned and launched a a successful enterprise tell us what advice you'd give to other women that are considering starting their own business. I would definitely say if you're considering starting your own business then in the early stages you really need to be adaptable but don't let that compromise what you want from the business. I think um, businesses in this day and age can really, really fit your lifestyle. Um, but saying that, you know, I, I originally thought I'd be living on a beach in Bali. <laughs> That's <laughs> not quite happened. But it has given me the freedom to travel more, to explore more countries and whatnot. So I definitely think that you do need to be adaptable and listen to what your clients want and listen to what you want. I realise that living on a beach in Bali is actually is quite lonely. Um, and actually, I wanted a community. I wanted to build a physical structure. Um, 
and that's why I came home to to build it and that was me being adaptable but it wasn't me compromising the fact that I love to travel you know and then I would say as you're growing a business knock on every single door you know my mum gave me some great great tips when I was kind of feeling a bit deflated by not being able to find a new premises um and she just used to say keep pushing on that door until it opens or shuts in your face and I think that is so true and if it shuts in your face you've just got to dust yourself off stand back up and turn around to the next door but keep keep pushing on every single door and um, because if you don't then you won't grow the business so resilience obviously is a, a key quality in a in a successful business person are there any other qualities you could um, pinpoint yeah i think um you obviously have to have the confidence you really do have to have the confidence and um i think sometimes you get you can get stuck into uh, wanting to stay in your comfort zone and wanting to stay small um, but listening to client feedback and seeing wow this is really benefiting people and this is really helping people allows you to get out of your comfort zone and go right we need to go bigger because this will only benefit more people but yeah resilience is definitely important you you can't care what people think when you run a business you really can't so Emma, you've you've almost completed your fourth year in business, and you've great plans to take it forward. So, give us a little more detail of the strategic vision for the business over the next few years. Absolutely. Well, um, the Nourishment Academy is kind of coming into its own since we've got our second site. It's become more of a wellness space. So we run lots of different workshops and day retreats, as well as having the the gym that we have our members of. So our long-term vision is is interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at other countries, they treat to prevent illness, whereas we in the UK very much treat when we are already ill. And I think if you're if you look at the way that businesses are going, they are focusing more on people's well-being. They are focusing on people's health a little bit more. And I think we are transitioning into being more preventative, but we're just not quite there yet. And I definitely see the Nourishment Academy as having a role to play in this when it comes to women's health. So, you know, we are talking about popping up gym number three and um, there is a few things that we need to do before we do that. Um, but in terms of the wider vision... I'm, I'm not just going to stop at two gyms. Well, no, obviously. Uh, I, I mean, you, you've got the basis now and the systems in place to develop it and scale it up, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really telling in gym number two. We've grown in the last six months. We've got over 100 active members there um, that are all looked after by coaches uh, and that level of personal service has been maintained um, but we've been able to pop it up and get that running much much quicker than gym number one um, so yeah it, it's exciting it really is and I understand you, you're thinking of starting a charity Yes, we are in talk with a charity at the moment around how can we support women that don't either have the finances or the access to working out. You know, I've got friends that are single mums and they can't work out. They can't just become a member of a gym um, because they're either at work or, or they've got childcare issues. Um, so doing something to enable to support women that as I said either financially can't access 
something like TNA or physically couldn't access something like TNA is really, really important to me. What that looks like at the moment, I'm not entirely sure, but we are in talk with a, char- a local charity at the moment about how we can how we can pop something up quite quickly. And you also uh, you're also thinking of starting a retreat space. Yes. So um, gym number two has uh, turned. We have a lot of space. It's three and a half thousand square foot. It's an amazing space. Um, so we've got actually we planned them all out on Friday. We've got lots and lots of plans for um, some day retreats. We're bringing in some amazing. Um, some local people and some kind of more well-known people um, to offer yoga retreat, nurture days, things around emotional eating. Um, so it's really, really exciting. You'll be able to find all of the information on our website, which is www.thenourishmentacademy.com. Uh, Emma, that's uh, it's fantastic. And uh, clearly uh, you're finding it easier to, to rent space now based on the fact that you've got two successful gyms up and running. Definitely. I think <laughs> once we got that second one in, we, um, yeah, we've now got the evidence that it can be achievable and it's not a one-off fluke. <laughs> okay, it's absolutely wonderful. And thank you so much for joining us today and giving us an insight in, into what it takes to launch and develop a, a successful training business. So uh, you've already given us your website, but no harm in, in repeating it. Just in case mm-hmm. any of our listeners uh, want to contact you, maybe looking for work or, um, or, or maybe want to join your gym. Absolutely. You can follow us at the Nourishment Academy on Instagram, or you can have a look at our website, which again is www.thenourishmentacademy.com, um, or you can drop me an email, which is just hello at thenourishmentacademy.com. Emma, thank you so much for joining us here on The Cat today. Thanks, Des. It's been great. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.